folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix, and we've got Jim from Texas on the line who brought up a really important point. Do you want to remake that point again, Jim? Hello? Um, Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, go ahead, because that is an important thing about awareness you're talking about, why why some seem to always have that and question everything and retain it throughout their adulthood as well. I think that's where you're going with it. And then you see others who really don't. And it can be shocking because yeah. you can present them with information, and it's almost like they know, but they can't. It's impossible for them to make that step. Yeah. I don't know if they're scared or if they literally cannot, you know, yeah. make that step. Yes. I used to think it was just fear, uh-huh. but sometimes I think it's actually impossible that their yes. whole world will be shattered so completely mm-hmm. that they cannot maintain an existence because this whole facade or this fake structure is all they got. That's all they, that's all they know. Enough yeah. in themselves to make that leap into the truth. Mm-hmm. But, well, you're, you're, you're right on with it because I'm sure that other listeners too have, have come up against this too, especially even with people in their own families. Oh, and yeah, well, that was another thing. I, would, I do notice that in my family, they, they tend to be be able to make that leap. They can, eh? Yeah. Which lends me to the idea that maybe it's something genetic, or because uh, I know my father, you know, he's been conned, and all, yep. we've all been conned. But when he figures out the con, he can easily make that leap and go, "Hey, I've been conned. Let me learn the truth and let me adapt." Yeah. While as others, they they just they can't make that admission, so to say. Yeah, I, I've often thought about that. And what I do think, to be honest with you, you see, it's like any warfare project. They want the. They, they want uh, any weapon has to affect the majority of the public. That's how it works. Doesn't matter what they make, even high tech industries for the mass uh, maximum effect. But they know they don't get everyone. It's, it's like releasing a virus. It won't kill everyone or kill most, perhaps, but not everyone. Right. Some people are genetically different, and if you realize you've been under uh, literally genetic uh, genetic attack since you were born through inoculations. Right. And, and then you, you couple it with the modified food that they were doing long before they were, they were telling the public. Uh, then some people are, are more immune to it than others. There's always a few uh, that, that it does not affect in the same way in their mind that their actual brain seems to stay intact. And I've noticed this with, um, uh, it's like the childhood inoculations. Every doctor is trained to tell the mother that the child will have a little fever perhaps for a few days, it'll go away and it's all right. Well, that fever is based in the head of the child where your brain is. Uh, So they're attacking part of the brain. But some children, it will go to another organ because there's a slight difference in in their biological structure and the genetic structure. I just went through that with my child, and uh, it was just shocking to me that the doctors tell me, yeah, get some aspirin and all this, going to have a fever. You know, the brain's going to swell, maybe, you know, or, you know. And I was like, well, how is this? I know, it's just very shocking. Uh, it is. It is. And, and uh, I do know people who, who've uh, actually, I know one, uh, one or two guys who've actually got one of their daughters, or one, one each in both families, not to have the children inoculated. And these are the only children who haven't had what everyone's trained to believe they all get, these childhood problems with the, the earaches and the sinus problems. Right. and They've never had any of that. So I'm, I'm pretty certain in all the, the studies that have been done 
inoculations are, are causing all of these problems. I, I believe the same. And another thing I want to point out, and I'll notice this, you know, you do meet people that are awake, and uh, I've noticed even with myself when I was a child, the, the teachers were really telling my parents he needs uh, Ritalin, you yep. need to get him on these drugs, you know, because <laughs> I, you know, I was a dreamer, or, you know, uh, just, you know, lost or not paying attention. Yep. But I noticed you'll see that common thread in uh, people that are awake. And it's all, you know, they use this drug to, hey, this guy might, he might, you know, not fall for this con. Let's get him drugged early. And that yes. way we can train them and mold them and get them to be, you know, obedient, you know, worker instead mm -hmm. of someone out there with original ideas and thoughts. Well, that's exactly it. Because back in the 1940s, they were talking about what to do, what kind of part of the world or, or structure of the world they create after the war was over. And they knew they were going into a global system. They planned it that way long before World War II. But they talked about using the pharmaceutical industry. And that's why Huxley and others in the 30s had written books about uh, using drugs on a wide scale across the whole of society to, to keep a placid, passive population all working for them. And, right. so that, and now the thing about putting them on Ritalin and so on, it was mainly to target young males young males who, who possibly had leadership abilities that right. didn't sit quietly in the classroom. And, and that's what's been happening. They're getting rid of all those who could be problems with leadership qualities for, for what's coming down in the very near future. Right. Yeah? Well, well I appreciate you uh, letting me talk to you. I'm, like I said, a huge fan, and uh, I can't wait to get my hands on your books because I just I read some of the you put up you know samples on your website. And it's like I've been searching. I read all the, you know, I read Quigley and all these guys and, you know, all the, a lot of the guys you recommend. But when I saw that, some of your work, I just think it's really what I've been searching for. No, I thanks. my hands on. Thanks for ordering them. I hope more people do because that's what's keeping me going. Yeah, and I don't, get, I, I don't get paid for these shows, you know. And, I, and it would be such a tragedy to see you go off the air because I enjoy your work so much. And at the same time, people need to get these books now while they can. Yeah. And then they have the hard copy to keep in their library. You know, I want some that I can give to my father or just some I can, if we make it through these changes, I can pass on to my children. Yes, that's, um, that's, a, that's a good idea because, this, see, knowledge is power. It's true knowledge is power. And when you see to the extent uh, of how we're being conned, how our minds are controlled, and even the way it's blatantly done and we don't even recognize it's being done to us, well, that's what I put in the books. I show you how we're being mocked all the time. By, by mainstream, yeah. Real fascinating stuff, but uh, I'm going to let you go so you can go on with the show, but thank you, Alan. Thanks for calling. Okay, take care. And it's true, uh, I mean, I don't get paid, I never ever got paid uh, from any show I've ever done. I do this because it's imperative that it's done, that's all I can really say. And if anything ever happens uh, to me, um, because we know the censorship is coming down and all media is coming down now, the past all the laws, uh, then maybe a for a little bit longer, I can keep all my sites up on the internet and look into Alan, to Alan Watts Sentinel for free downloadable transcripts and tongues of Europe, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and I'll keep those going as long as I can. But the time is coming, it's coming very quickly where, and I've noticed that even another talk show host, they, they keep you diverted into the mainstream trivia uh, or, or voting and all this kind of stuff and um, 
that they're becoming in a sense politically correct it's okay to to complain uh, governments have always expected the people to complain and and so they give you champions who do nothing but complain and and they also roll in the money too while they're complaining and that's that that's organized opposition they always give the public their leaders and they, they plan it they've always planned it this way and done it this way done through the centuries and the public follow the Pied Pipers. <clears throat> I'm just trying to tell you what's really happening because we don't have much time. We don't have much time. And I know, too, the businesses uh, that run the airwaves, even the ones I am on, uh, they are businesses. They depend on this money structure. They depend on selling stuff to keep themselves going and to pay off their engineers and so on. They've got to pay everyone. Uh, we're living in a commercialized system, and unfortunately, with, with the commerce, uh, it can lean heavily on your 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 ability to say what you want to say. So we have this window of opportunity. Rockefeller has has his, we have ours, and they will close this down eventually. And they'll pick guys like me up because I'm not authorized to be out here doing what I'm doing. I'm not authorized to do it. And one day I'll get picked up and that'll be the last you'll hear of me and that's just the way it is. And that's what you expect. But at least I'm getting uh, the facts out to the people to show them how we've arrived at this point and where we're going with it all. And it's so true what the last caller said. We're, we're astounded when we talk to people who either are unable to get the next step. They can't go the next step because they can't ever imagine that today is going to be any or tomorrow is going to be any different from today and their, for their personal life and you know what's going to happen when it, it, it comes down in a big crash to those people they're going to go into utter shock utter and complete shock we see it happening to cultures across the world as they get blown up and our young thugs our own offspring are over there uh, booting them out of their houses and killing them and we think oh, that always happens away from us, over there somewhere, some other sphere, world, or planet. This, ha- this is happening on the same earth that we all live on. And one day, and we can see it getting ready for it, it's just gathering all around you, you only see it in your own streets. You don't build up massive security agencies and build internal armies and give them all the gear of armies and the machinery and weaponry of armies. You don't give them all that so they can stand and and do nice parades for you. They build these things up to use. And we know that all of these agencies are being trained to use all of their gadgetry on the public, on you and me and everyone else. The Guardian newspaper published a report by the Department of Defense for Britain that's also the main think tank for the whole of the NATO organization, U.S., Canada, and so on. And in this report, they see nothing but riots and flash mobs for the next 20, 30 years. Now, they're telling you that they're going to cause something that will make this happen. So is that the average person, the average Joe and Jane, is going to be terribly unhappy and it's going to be demonstrating or writing and what could they do to make that happen to us all it's very simple you're going to
want the special cities being bothered with too many of the rabble moving in, but they want to clear the rural areas. That's been the long-term agenda. And they want a controlled society. They want to control your food. Look into the United Nations Charter. Look in the Department of Agriculture. Look at the tenets of the, that their particular branch of the organization. Look at the speeches that have been given by the heads of this particular UN organization. Because the world they're bringing in is where all food will be channeled through the United Nations, who will then redistribute it across the world. And they've said in it, the Charter, that if your country does not keep the population down to a specific level, which will constantly get smaller and smaller, you won't get no more food. That's in this beautiful United Nations uh, Charter for the Department of Agriculture and Food. And boy, have they done a fantastic PR job on the minds of the public, haven't they? With the cooperation of the media. But the media is just an extension of government. Their job is to pacify you, distract you, get you angry over things that you can't do anything about and don't really matter anyway, and, but never tell you the real truth of what's going on. And every major reporter knows this. Why do you think all the big newspaper barons go over to Britain to get knighted by Her Majesty the Queen? And these barons who own the media, and Professor Carl Quigley wrote about it in the Anglo-American establishment and in his book Tragedy and Hope. These barons dictate to all their employees what the rules of the game are and right down to the lowest the lowest reporter, he knows what those are and he will not rock the boat. It's quite simple how to control information. And the time is coming rapidly when the few who give you out pertinent information will be simply gone. And you probably never ever know where they went to. That's coming quickly. Now we've got Solomon in Canada. Are you there, Solomon? Hello, Solomon? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead. Wow, that was fast. So uh, I've just called in to say that it's great to hear you on uh, WTPRN. I, I used to enjoy your files. I downloaded them off your site. And uh, I got a comment and a question. First comment is, um, one of the areas where I'm, uh, that I, I don't follow you so much is when you get into this sort of very deterministic, fatalistic-seeming approach on this ancient continuity of these current uh, conspiracies, mm -hmm. I'm, just, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little skeptical there. But uh, what I'm wondering here is, and I'd like to get your comments on, is uh, I recently read this book called uh, The Franklin Cover-Up by Jean DeCamp, and yeah. he did some extensive interviews with... Yeah. Uh, hold, hold on, and, and uh, we'll okay. go into that when we come back from this messages. New 
news, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of 31 and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain, a Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew. And he knows he shouldn't kill, and he knows he always will. Kill you for me, my friend, and me for you. And he's fighting for Canada, he's fighting for France, he's fighting for the USA. And he's fighting for the Russians, and he's fighting for Japan, and he thinks we'll put an end to war this way. And he's fighting for democracy, he's fighting for the Reds, he says it's for the peace of all. He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die, and he never sees the writing on the wall. But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Laval? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone. He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war And without him, all this killing can't go on He's the universal soldier and he really is to blame His orders come from far away no more They come from here and there and you and me And brothers, can't you see This is not the way we put the end Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, back with Cutting Through the Matrix, and we've got Solomon from Canada on the line here talking about the the book called The Franklin Cover-Up by John DeCamp. Are you still there, Solomon? Yes, yes. Uh, So my question was, uh, I wanted just to get your take on uh, certain dimensions of that book when he talks about the nexus of satanic ritual abuse uh, CIA mind control mm-hmm. and uh, these prominent uh, officials, uh, political officials. Uh, I, I really, I'm having a tough time getting into the mindset of people. I know one of the foremost people alleged to have been involved in all this is uh, an ex-military uh, colonel. I, I believe his name is Aquino, and he actually has a site. And I've been on this site. And it has things like he has the Lord of the Rings rewritten from the, the side of Sauron. He has, and it's hundreds of pages, he has the Empire, or he has the Star Wars epic rewritten from the dark side. Yeah. And I, I'm really not understanding this mindset at all. This same person is supposedly involved in this horrid uh, uh, atrocities, and I'd just like to get your take on it whether you think it's still going on, the extent of it, and, and how can these uh, these people apparently be normal professionals at the same time beholding these apparently uh, very uh, unbelievable beliefs? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, there's, there's no doubt uh, that the whole area of... Yeah, this goes back a long, long ways. This, you're wondering how it, things tied in from the past to the present, even from ancient times. And when you even go into the Egyptian writings, you, you find the priesthoods understood human nature incredibly well. They understood the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, and they knew fantasy and, and they knew dreams and nightmares. And they knew the effects of nightmares on, on people, how you remember the nightmares, they stick in your memory if they're very lucid, and how uh, when you went through tremendous times of famine or war or so on, uh, you'd have more and more nightmares and, and the public would panic and then, then the priest could move in and give them a, a form of control by giving them or reinforcing their religion. So religion has always been tied up incredibly with methods of controlling the mind and you always have uh, the, the, the open mind the conscious mind or they call it the blue that's why you have a blue lodge when that part's in the open and then you have the black lodge that's the subconscious right down to the unconscious part the sea of the unconscious mind and, and the psychopathic personality who lives on ego, they understand these things intuitively uh, with other people. They understand the natures of other people very, very well. And they do get to prominent positions of leadership. They crave power. And often the followers of these people, in fact, um, are on a, all they see is the leadership qualities. They don't realize the, uh, the person that's really beneath that. We've found that down throughout history where people have had revolutions to find out that their leader becomes a worse character than the guy they just kicked out. The psychopaths gravitate to these positions, but they have a tremendous ability of manipulability over other people. They know how to manipulate other people very easily, like a gift. And because they're pure ego and because they, aren't, they, they can enjoy sexual contact into areas you can't imagine because they have no uh, self-consciousness during any act, then they, they, they enjoy things to, to a, a considerable level more so than the average person. They, they are not inhibited in any way, shape, or form. And therefore, there's no taboos in their subconscious structure and they can do deviant things. It's like being addicted to a drug. You want more of the drug to get the same high. Uh, and they go on and on doing deviant type things, especially inflicting pain to get that kind of high. So they, they go into a realm of, of what, which there's a speciality, and that is the control of the mind and especially the dark side of the mind. They know that by manipulating the fears of people, the subconscious nightmarish parts of their, of their structure, they can manipulate vast uh, amounts of the, the general public and and they do go into these these this ritualistic form. Now, Lord of the Rings, um, when you understand the esoteric side behind it, because this was put out by a very famous man who lived his whole life in a university, his whole life in a university, and he was given a chair at that university, um, who went to such trouble. To, to give an exoteric, enjoyable story, as all books are, even Bibles are. There's an exoteric story for the public, but there's an inner story with rules of the game and a tiered structure of power within the story. 
and even the characters and the elves and so on are all semblances of the power structures here on earth, classes, if you like, or aristocracies, types and superior types and inferior types at the bottom, right down to having the dead, those who are never conscious, that means the trained soldiers, win the final battle for them. That's what it means. And that's what you're seeing today, that the dead, the walking dead, are fighting all the battles. They don't even know what they're all about. They don't even care to know what they're all about or who benefits. They just want to join the military. They're the walking dead. So so John de Camp certainly did a good expose on this. Uh, as I say, I grew up in Britain. I saw more of this happening in Britain with high court judges and so on uh, who were uh, found in the most uh, unpleasant uh, situations, uh, often dressed in odd garments, uh, who strangled themselves, asphyxiating themselves with ropes, etc., trying to get high during sexual uh, performances. And uh, that was not too uncommon over there. It was a bit of a joke, in a sense, because it, it was fairly common amongst that particular set. Um, but the psychopathic types get into these positions, and Britain has more hereditary judges, just like it has more hereditary peers of the realm than any other country. So psychopathy is bred in. To, to certain families over there, and um, and they're into all kinds of of, of ways to get high on, on on a thrill, to get tremendously high on a thrill. Now you'll find this out through down through society and all structures, and I'll explain more of this when I come back because it's an interesting topic that people don't really understand too well. And in the better schools, as they call them in, in Europe and in the U.S., 
They were given classical training. They were taught the histories going all the way back to ancient Greece, to Rome and Greece, and even some uh, of, of the Egyptian structure as well. well and so they were, they were taught the, these methods, and it's primarily to do with control over the general public and how to create a, a culture for that public so that they'd never, ever question it. They take it all for granted, which the public always do. Well, I guess what I was trying to say earlier, uh, and that's actually an interesting analysis you gave of the psychopathic uh, personality, but what, what I was saying earlier about uh, an ancient sort of to modern continuity, I, I certainly agree with you that we see a lot of the same works, you know, Plato's Republic and various other philosophical, political commentary that have been used by ruling elites throughout the ages, and, yep. and there has been a continuity in that sense, but in the sense of a kind of a literal genealogical continuity more than a, a few centuries. I'm, I'm skeptical of that idea because uh, it seems kind of pessimistic and fatalistic to just say, well, that's the way it always was, the way it is, and probably the way it always will be. It's, it's, not, pe it's not pessimistic. I'll, I'll tell you why. It's only pessimistic if you think it's fate. This isn't fate. These characters, even in their outrage, have planned what they see as the future. That's a plan as opposed to fate, you see. Yes, but I think there is a there is a sort of a cyclical rejuvenation of societies in which they, there's these these ruling elites are replaced by sometimes a better, sometimes a worse system, and these eventually become decadent and are in turn replaced. So I think my take is, and I could be wrong, but my take is I think it's a little bit misleading to see to present it as though it's always the same kind of ruling elites all the way through down through the millennia that are still lording it over us. And, uh, well, if you, look, if you look back for the last thousand years, you can trace all the British elite of Britain and Europe, the whole of Europe, they still haven't run it yet. It's right through to the Norman invasion. A thousand years of the same families at the top. That's pretty long, you know. Yes, but whether or not those actual uh, royal families have held power all throughout that, I mean, you didn't This isn't just the royal families. This isn't just the royal families. It's a large aristocracy. We're oh, all yeah, related. That's, that's what I mean. I'm not talking yeah. just about the kings and queens, but there is all of the various classes of nobles, and there's literally thousands of them at yeah. various levels in all of the European societies. Yep. Yes, those do go back a long way, but whether or not uh, you know they have really literally held the, the pinnacle of power all through that thousand years I think is debatable because there has been a rise of the merchant class, and there has been an injection of new families of, say, the Rothschilds, I guess would be one instance of that, and many other families into that ruling class, and there's been a give and take, and I think there has been a sort of a cyclical rejuvenation of the ruling classes over the over the millennia, so I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical to just say that it's sort of one, one line, because that, it, it, it makes it seem very... Well, here's the thing, though, here's the thing, is, you see, the Rothschilds and the rest of them go back into their histories, and they go back a long ways as well. In, in the merchant banking system, they didn't just start off as rag and bone men, as, as, as the authorized version first told us about Morley's book. Uh, they, they literally were trained by the best bankers in Frankfurt. And uh, what you find down through the ages, the wealthy, even in Egypt, even invading armies, they would accept certain families of ruling families from invaders into their system, and they always intermarried. So, so yeah, they'll take on new blood if they're also conquerors and they have that ability to rule over people and they're wealthy. So they don't mind uh, bringing them in 
to join the big, big club. The problem is we're at a stage today where they have all these sciences backing them up, and they do see uh, a future that they they want to control, and they're doing it through genetic manipulation. They've gone after the food. We can't ignore this and pretend it's not happening. We're eating modified food in Canada. We were the guinea pigs for the whole world here. Yeah, this okay. has happened. This, is, this has already happened. And we only found out about in Canada because Mr. Blair was passing the law to, pass to, to use the stuff in Britain, and an NGO group brought out the documents that the Canadians had been on the stuff for 10 years without knowing. We didn't know. That's how we found well, out. That's even worse in the States, isn't it? Oh, it's I worse mean, in the States, is, yeah. I mean, it, there seems to be this... Uh, if they're going to try some sort of experimental thing on us or some sort of dumbing down drug or food or something, there's, they create a problem that's so, they sort of coerently create a, a problem that's so huge that yeah. even if the leadership or the people find out, they can't have to expose it because of the consequences would basically overturn the whole the whole structure, the whole social political structure. I think this is the GMO, the, the way they put it first in the canola oils and all those things so yeah. that the things that go into all the processed foods. And so soya, virtually, yeah. virtually any processed foods that you buy, they have this stuff in it, and you don't even know it. And so it's basically already in everything. So by the time now this is being blown wide open to some extent, people are becoming aware of the dangers of this modified foods. Mm-hmm. And that there's many, many studies showing how harmful this is. But everybody's, everybody's already been eating it for years. That's what they can that's say. That's right. Because they've, and have altered your every vegetable that's commonly used in your diet. It's already done. I just watched a, a video from Monsanto, and their patent, they're, they're taking old seed that were passed down for hundreds of years, been generations. No, no one ever thought of patenting this stuff. And because it wasn't patented, they're, they're putting the patents on them and, and finding everybody who's now using it. And, and so they've taken over all your major uh, food sources, your potatoes altered, your carrots altered, your, your cabbage, everything has been altered. And it was done with a secret agreement of the Canadian government and Monsanto that was admitted by our own government. A secret agreement between your government and, and a, a big corporation, and they will not tell us why they chose certain genes to go into certain vegetables and so on. We're not even told the whys, and you can bet your bottom dollar it's nothing to do with making a better potato or a better carrot is to do with what that produces and the enzymes and all the rest of it and how it will affect your body. Even that the potatoes here were tested on the rats and, and, and mice and they all came down with cancers of the stomach. So they gave yes, it to well, the public and that's okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, they actually I'm not sure how much of I'm not sure how much of the actual gene splicing selection has to do with trying to create certain consequences of the people that eat the foods, but Certainly, I think that uh, they're just trying to find ways to get more control and make more money. At least this is my take. It's not. No, that's very naive of you. It's very naive. I've just talked about Kostler and others working at the United Nations on ways to bring the population down and make them more malleable. That's incredibly naive of you. You think so? But that's a choice. That's a choice because the data is all out there. Well, they've also had a lot of studies now coming out that uh, before they were thinking that they could do just a sort of single gene manipulation where they can can alter one gene at a time, but now that they found there's a new level of connectivity between all the different genes in the genetic code. They know this. They knew this years ago. Whatever they tell us something is years after the the fact that they already knew this. 
a, a government is not going to tell you for 10 years. In fact, they would never have told us if I hadn't broke out in Britain that we'd been eating this stuff that was altered. Aren't going to tell you the real truth any, on anything at any time? They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Now, Why do you think they made it a secret agreement? It's because you know, there was no public involvement. Well, I think... Well, you may very well be right in that I've been naive in this. It could be that they knew about this genetic connectivity and that they're deliberately trying to... I, I can't believe that they're trying to dumb us down, but in terms of uh, genetically modified foods, uh, selecting for certain traits in the people that yeah. consume them, that may be a stretch, although you could be right. Uh, I, I talk I, I to just, scientists who work on this stuff, and I'm right. Okay, well... I, I'll bring them on, yeah. Okay, do please, yeah. I got one more comment if I could. Uh, no, uh, no, you have to go now. I'll have to, I've only got 50 yeah. minutes left. Thanks okay, for calling. Take it easy. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Back after these messages. Online and on demand, this is We the People Radio Network. Interesting, uh, from two callers ago, from someone who was just making that comment about how people can go so far, but they can't jump across into the next realm of understanding. Uh, and Solomon, who was the last caller, is maybe one of them, because I know his mindset. He, he wants to believe in, in a, a sort of hope uh, based on something he can't really explain, but it's that somehow there are cycles, you see. Some, somehow the bad guys get replaced by good guys who may be more benevolent for a little while. Uh, that's, that's like a religion. It's a belief system rather than fact. And, he, again, he wants to believe that you stumble down through history, uh, just through accidents, coincidence theories, as opposed to conspiracies. Now, history is composed of conspiracies. In fact, even going through school when I was very young, I went through the old books on on the histories of Britain and, and how they'd, they'd often kill their parents or they'd kill their cousins or brothers, kings and queens and all the rest of it. Then you go back to ancient Greece and they were doing the same thing there. Because the psychopathic types craved this power. But it took people in the know to help them carry out these murders. And these were called conspiracies. And these were people in power. And sometimes to hold on to that power, they'd have war starts, uh, starts uh, next door to them. They'd, they'd talk to the king next door and say, couldn't have a little skirmish here because the people are getting restless. They won't do what they're told. But in times of war, where there's a threat from those guys over there, the people pull in and surround their king for protection. And that's how they maintain power. So war has always been used for for, for this same purpose, for gaining more control over the public and taxing them in ways you wouldn't normally tax them. They'd complain too much. But when you think you're, you're going to get threatened, you don't question why your, your paychecks get smaller and smaller as taxes get bigger and bigger and go to pay for all these big security agencies to spy on you. It doesn't enter your head. You're being taken care of. And we end up in a double think where we want to believe we're being taken care of we, we do want to believe that because we've been trained to believe that. 
were being trained the people come out of special wombs and they're faceless most of them because we'll never meet them and there are they're, they're layers of them that just want to take care of you in this big strange abstract organization called government and governmental agencies and bureaucracies and yet the, the history shows the opposite is true the more you become estranged from what's happening in government the more horror is put over on the people that's why they managed to, to, to do in World War II in Germany uh, such incredible uh, killings of people on purpose, by design, by plan because the bureaucrats never saw the victims this isn't all the major history books they're all numbers and categories and it's much easier to push from the top on down to the guys who do the killing at the bottom when you have nothing to do you don't see that these people at the bottom they're all numbers and figures and you have organized bureaucracies dealing with it that's why it was so efficient and what's even scarier and this is no conspiracy it's fact a lot of the guys who are now in charge of this system helped build up the Nazi war machine George Bush's grandfather was charged with the trading with the enemy act through the, through the, the bank in New York they helped fund the IG Farben Corporation, an umbrella organization consisting of, of ITT that made the Focke Fighter and all these other ones, and Ford and GM and all the rest of them, and the Baxter Laboratories and others were all parts that created the Nazi war machine, funded from London and New York, the big banks, on behalf of the big elite. <laughs> and that came out during the Nuremberg trials, and IG Farb and the corporations that comprised it sent dozens and dozens of lawyers over to the Nuremberg trials with lots of money to try and bribe all the judges and, and the, the, the guys who were um, questioning to bribe them off away from the subject of the fact that American and British corporations had funded this whole enemy that we'd just been fighting for five years. Crimes and Trials of I.G. Farben. Good book to read. Everyone should go through that one. It has a lot of that stuff in there. You know, the stock market carried on as usual during World War II. And they just put dummy companies in Sweden, a neutral country, and Switzerland, a neutral country. And they were making massive profits off this war. Your own people at the top, again, this lovely aristocracy, were making billions of dollars on slaughter and guess what they still run these countries today quite amazing isn't it you don't have to label it all as conspiracy it's just a plan just a plan we live a plan and it's not to make it sound fatalistic you see the only way it will alter is if we actually are conscious of what's happening and we're conscious of this plan and we, we dare, we dare to make the leap across and say, my God, I'm free-falling here. I have to let go of everything I've ever been taught to believe in. If you want truth, that's what you do. You have to be willing to jump from that plane, that psychic plane up there, and free-fall and leave all your parachutes behind you, all your ripcords, everything behind you, 
because truth doesn't come packaged to suit you and make you feel comfortable. It's a naked blade. It can be terrifying. But once you understand so much, you start to lose the fear because you're not being confused anymore. You're not confused. And power, as history always shows, never gives up willingly. Never, ever, ever gives up willingly. And for all the books I've mentioned over the years on all the shows and go to my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and listen to the shows, and I'll often mention books in the talks. You get a picture of this and how it certainly is organized. It takes see, real, real crime. Real crime is organized crime. Very organized crime. And we're, we're running under people who have been running this world for an awful long time and who understand through data collection and through hiring the best professors and those with the best knowledge of human understanding to work for them to, to see the, the problems of the future that's coming up. And long ago, when my granddad was on the go, in fact, in the trenches in World War I, he decided to set up the League of Nations as a front organization that through conflicts with other countries would eventually become a United Nations which would be a global government. Karl Marx wrote about it in the 1840s. Three trading blocks would be created, starting with a united Europe, followed by a united Americas, followed by a Pacific Rim region, under a central world government. The 1840s, how is that for coincidence? And who paid Karl Marx to write it? Where did he write his manifesto? in London, England. Well-financed, well-backed, and even had the first supposed, supposed working men's conferences there, international, where all the anarchists, the, the top paid ones, came in, you know, the front ones who, who ran that, those kind of societies, came in and had it, and gave them the biggest theatres in London. Britain never, ever allowed any organization to get anything out if it was a threat to Britain, believe you me, they nipped it in the bud right away. And they didn't go to trial. They just disposed of you. So Karl Marx was authorized to go out there to get the dialectic started because the working people, as they knew, were going to demand their rights. They already had the Chartist movement. And if they allowed this to continue, anything could happen. They could lose their power. So they gave us all the heroes to follow. And it's been that way ever since. And that's why regardless of which power gets in, left or right, the UN agenda is continues on. H.G. Wells wrote about that in 1920. He also wrote The Open Conspiracy, meaning it was all published. It's just that the general public would never read it. And he was quite right on that. We'd like to be amused. Today, the public can't tell the difference between fact or fiction thanks to incredible indoctrination through television. They can't tell the difference. And that's a form of mind control when you can't, when your day is full of fantasy mixed with 
reality, you're in trouble. And that's what I'm here for, is to wake you up. From Hamish and myself up in a snowy Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>